I want to share as Janu comes up real quick that what, what Dodie um, shared just now has a lot to do with uh, what we spoke about in worship a little bit with uh, not just having concepts of God, but working them out. And the Lord's been ministering to me a lot this week about this idea of conceptual Christianity and not just oh, I have a hope or a desire or a concept of paying off something or, you know, what she's talking about, being true to our vows. But there's an actual outworking of plans that have to be in place. And I wrote a few things down that um, are strong thoughts about this conceptual Christianity. Um, and I want, I want to read them, then I want to hand it over to Janu for, for this morning. Uh, conceptual Christianity, the ideas and concepts of what Christ has done for us without the actual working out of what he requires of us. We have been adopted in as sons, but there's still a standard and principle and compass that should direct who we are and what we do day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, moment by moment, like we were singing today, like we were talking about, like we just applied. We dropped everything and we just went to the neighbor and hugged him and blessed him and did the outworkings of what God calls us to do, living out as kingdom people. Uh, conceptual Christianity has most believers tied down to ideas and concepts of Jesus without the actual doing of his works. This false Christianity is like pornography, it gives us the fantasy of a relationship and an immediate feel-good without the risk and sacrifice of walking out a real one. Concepts don't get you anywhere unless you execute them. We need to go from searching to experiencing, from dreaming to laboring, from thinking to doing. It's time to move from concept to conquest. So it's time to actually do it this time, not just have hopes of doing it or dreaming of doing it or fantasizing about this person that we want to be. It's time to actually apply what we're supposed to apply in order to walk in what God wants us to walk in. Amen? Let's give it up for Janu. He's, he's going to minister the word. Thank you, Matt. And Dodi, thanks for those insights. Are children released? Yes. Children, please um, go to the children's class. Now, I think it's about dead. All right. This is better? All right. All right, let's just go. Why don't you all stand if you don't mind? Thank you, Lord. Let's just, let's just ask the Lord to speak to us as this is a new year, new season, new era. We just ask God, Lord, to pour out new strategies so that we can reign and rule, so that we can be overcomers, we can be victors in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, speak through me. Lord, I depend on you. I pray that you anoint every ear, anoint every heart, that we would receive your word and we would be champions. As Matt said, we would conquer more than a conqueror this year through Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Come on, please be seated. So we're going to talk about New Year strategy. This is a fresh message God told me to give to the church. Today's uh, January the 13th, so just starting this year, and we need to start this year off right, because we don't want to repeat cycles of failures. We don't want to repeat the same patterns that have kept us stuck over the last, I don't know how many ever years. And so, 
I'm going to emphasize on what's key. There are like several strategies, but I'm going to hit on top four. Um, you know, when um, you know, I work at FedEx, and when you, usually at the beginning of the fiscal year, we have a reset. Uh, we look at what strategies, what markets we need to go after, and we, as people of God, too, have to reset. We need to look at. We need to reorganize and reset. Can't use yesterday's manna for today because that catches worms if you collect it. You need fresh manna daily, fresh manna for the year. This is going to be a great year because the word that I got was, this is the year of overflowing grace. Overflowing grace. We meaning, Satan ain't, by the way. Satan ain't dead. And he's not chained either. So he's going to come against you this year again. But what's different this year is going to be, no matter what he brings, the overflowing grace of God is going to conquer it, to over, overcome it. He would just overflow through it. So it's going to be a great year this year. I'm excited. It's not something that we conjure up strength, but it's his grace that would take, he will, that, his grace would give the wind for the sails this year. So it would be more effortless this year. As you would just be amazed. You would just say, thank God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm. All right, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 20 through 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, neither will they say, Look here or look there. For the kingdom of God is within you. Everyone say, the kingdom of God is within me. See, don't follow all these religious mambo-jambos out there that say, if you do this, there's the kingdom right there. Kingdom is there. Kingdom is here. In other words, it is not an external entity or something that is outside the realm of you for you to go search after. It does not come by observation, meaning it is not out there for you to go and search and find. It's not out there in some nation or in some city or in some village. That's not the case. So the reason I bring that up is because there, too many religions are focused on finding God externally somewhere. But, un, but not unfortunately, fortunately, it's not the case. The kingdom of God does not is not something that you're waiting to find outside you. The kingdom of God is within you. The great exercise is for you to get awakened as the son and daughter of God you are. So when all these religions and the other cults are hyping up this, this case that, oh, there is something that is about to come or... This great cataclysmic event is about to happen. Who cares? Because there's a whole group of religious people out there waiting for the tribulation and the rapture and all that. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is within you. You need to first get awakened inside you. Don't waste your time searching this and that over there and here. Your goal and your efforts need to be put in awakening the spiritual man in you. And that is through the cross. As Jesus said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What he says is, the awakening process starts through you coming to the cross, through baptism in water, water baptism, and then the spirit baptism awakening you to the fullness of who you are. So this is not an external entity that we are searching after. Every one of us sitting here are in a journey of realizing who you really are. We all are unique expressions of God. Just like sun's rays, every ray is projecting from the source. You, each one of us is a ray, unique ray. Unique ray. Ready for mankind to see. So the kingdom of God is within us. So this new year, I want to talk to you about how do you go about building this infrastructure right? Because only by tapping into our higher mind, we can be truly guided out of our enslaved positions. We, I know people, there are people here who've been sitting in church, I have no, no offense here, for 50 years, maybe 40 years, 30 years, you can just, or even one year. So in other words, we can go through the motion of church and not be awakened. Meaning if you're not awakened, you are still in an enslaved position. You're still reaching out to a far out God somewhere. You have no idea who you are. You have not tapped anywhere close to your potential. You are sitting asleep in the pew. And then you go home, you sleep, you wake up. Machine kind of living. Only by tapping into your higher mind, higher consciousness of who, I mean, when I say higher consciousness, into your divine identity, what happens? You can be out of your bondages, your enslaved positions. And that's where the king, that's what Jesus emphasized on finding the kingdom. Kingdom is nothing but your higher mind, your higher consciousness, the true you. The true you, the spirit you are. So Natalie, Georgia, all this is amazing expressions of God sitting here. Very unique. Skin color for Ira and Natalie is different, but he is a unique expression of God. She's a unique, I'm a unique expression of God. How diverse our God is. As I mentioned last time, the light, the light that we see is not made up of one color. It's a spectrum of colors. It's got red, orange, brown, violet, indigo, but then all that combines into this one glorious light. So when we see each other, don't look down on anybody. Now, because the problem is society has conditioned you to look at each other based on financial backgrounds, race, the way they look. No, 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 no. Look at the sp unique spirit Jennifer is, or Ira is, or Deb is. The unique spirit that we are. And celebrate that. Celebrate that. Now, are, now, are each person fully in, up to their potential yet? No. That's where we exercise patience with one another. The Bible says, exercise patience and long-suffering with one another. So, number one, New Year's strategy that I have for you, for this house is build your house right. Build your house right. In other words, there's a blueprint that God has given in his scriptures we need to use to build our house. 
Let's look at Exodus 25, verse 8 through 9. It says, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. You must build this tabernacles and its furnish you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I show you. I'll tell you what's wrong with American Christianity. We are trying to build our homes, that is us, build our spiritual lives on our specifications. So in other words, this is the final product, but then we try to build without any blueprint or architecture diagrams or nothing. So, some, uh, you know, Matt decides to build no foundation, but he'll build the window, the bathrooms first, or some part of the roof. This is how a lot of the Christians are building their spiritual lives. When, when, when God said in Exodus, let them construct me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them. See, God will not Dwell in you until you build yourself in his specifications. As Doherty was saying, you can declare a thing, but nothing might happen. You know why? Because you are a half-built house. Or you're building it on your own specifications. doesn't work like that when it comes to Christianity. you got to build your house. What does it say at the end? Exactly according to the pattern I will show you. There's a pattern. I'm going to discuss that with you all. There's a pattern. And again, so what is the sanctuary that we are talking about building? It's you. Come on, everyone say, it's me. It's about us. It's not building an external house or a building. First Corinthians says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God redeemed you with a high price. God redeemed you so that you can be awakened to the kings and priests, the sons and daughters you are. Not, that you can, so, not so that you can play church, so that you can come to your full potential as an individual created by God. We have to put away this religion, I'm telling you. Waking up in the morning, putting suit and ties to the church... And just going through the motions. My God. What a waste of time if we spend all our years doing this ritual of looking good on the outside, coming to church, and then going back home. You got to be touched by the Spirit every time you enter into the house of God. You saw what happened today? This is how church should operate. You got to be undignified. Every time you dance, every time you jump, what happens? You jump on the head of the enemy. If you don't dance in the presence of God, I'll tell you, my friends, some witches are dancing against you. You will soon see your grave if you don't know how to worship God in spirit and in truth. There's too many arrows flying in the air from the enemy. If you are not in the fire for God, it will come upon you. But I'm just telling you with all due respect and uh, love that I have for you. It's a too much of an intense warfare attacking families, societies, mental health, all sorts of violence in the high places. As Apostle Paul said, we do not war against flesh and blood. We war against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. It's more than the five senses and what you see with your eyes. There's a lot more arrows flying through the air. If you just open your eyes or God, if God opens your eyes to the spirit realm, 
It is deadly. All of the ground is sinking sand. I'm telling you, you got to run to the refuge called Christ. And we got to bring as many people into this ark called Christ. Because it's coming. And it's, it's here. The arrows are flying. That's why the Psalm 91 says, I will not be affected by the arrows that flyeth day and night. So what is flying? Arrows are flying. But only he or she who is in the covenant can remain protected. There is pestilence that flies on the day and night. There is arrows that are flying. Because you might wonder, what's happening suddenly? I'm getting this chest pain and, and headache. And my wife is behaving this way. And my husband's behaving this way. You think this is some character issue? It's not any character issue, my friends. It's the arrow of the enemy. It is just flying constantly looking for who to park into. Bible says the lion, the devil is like a lion, roaring, seeking whom he may devour. So our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we've been redeemed by God to be awakened, to come to the knowledge of our inheritance and identity as sons and daughters of God. Not to play church. And so how do we build this, build our life up in the blueprint of God this year? Because you have to build your house, right? You know, I put a, a next, next picture. I put a picture from my work. This is, this is available on the internet, but I wanted to show you a concept that they use called Agile. Agile in software development these days. So what happens is, Traditionally, we used to build large chunks. So, for example, if we were to build a car, right, they would take three months. Let me show you the picture real quick. Before this picture, there's one more. All right, look, look this. So, traditionally, they'd first build a tire. Then after four months, they'd build a suspension. And then they would build a chassis. And then they'd finally build a car. So, by the time the car is out, it would take two years. I'm talking about just old models. The new model, the Agile model, is talking about how can I get fastest to a value, valuable product, something that can add value to a customer. So the new model is like, you know what, how can I get Matt off to his feet in two months? So it might be a skateboard that I'm going to build first. Before two years, I know a car will take two years to build, but I, he still needs to be mobile. An agile way of thinking. So skateboard, scooter, bicycle, motorcycle, and finally a car. But all throughout the incremental journey, there is something value-added that's happening. And what I'm saying is in the building of the house analogy, most lot of us get disappointed because we are not perfect in our obedience. We are not perfect in our walk with God. And we just get disheartened and we drop the whole thing. You got to get out of that mentality this year. You got to build your house step by step. What is the first thing that you, any house builder invests in? Pardon? Blueprint and then real, from a material perspective, the first thing is the foundation. Build it right, the foundation. Because a lot of people, are Christians are out there, 
trying to build a ministry and trying to do this and that and they want to do that. But they have no foundation. They got bells and whistles here and there. But I'm telling you, they can't even preach two weeks in a row. They just cannot. They don't have any material or the anointing to do two or three weeks of preaching. They just don't know. They might have a few words here and there to say, but they don't have the foundation to sustain them over the period of time. These are called like a one shoot, like a shooting star. Boom, gone. You got to spend time to build your foundation so that you can relieve it, whether ministry or business or whatever it might be. You got to build your house right. But don't worry about building the whole house in one day. Build it in increments. Build it in increments. Find out what you can do in the next three months, spiritually speaking, since we are here in the church. What are some of your goals, spiritually speaking? If your foundation is good, then check on what's, what, what is it that I can build next. So in, from a house analogy, they say, number one, start with the big picture. What is our big picture? Our big picture is to become the, come into the fullness of Christ. We want to become the full Son of God, the fullness of the, the sonship that we have. Full stature. That's why Apostle Paul says we need to reach the full stature in Christ Jesus. So that when you lay hands on the sick, the sick are recovered. You have a word in season. You know what to do through life. You can hear God. You can see God. That's a full stature. You're fully effective for the kingdom of God. But is it going to happen tomorrow? Is any house built in two days? No. You got to do it step by step. Like I said, but if you jump and say, I really want to build the windows right now. Because it looks good. I want to get to the stage right now. I want to do a platform right now. What happens if I just go and put a window right here without a foundation? It's going to crumble and fall. It's going to look funny too. You don't want to embarrass yourself, my friends. Take time to build your house right this year. Foundation has to be laid. Not just any foundation that you got from your Baptist church and Methodist church and Presbyterian church. There is a new wine flowing now. You got to get aligned with the new wine foundation. It is not based on sin and condemnation, but it is based on hope and reconciliation through Christ Jesus. That we are spirits, not our flesh. We are redeemed. We are righteous in Christ Jesus. You got to build your foundation in the new covenant teaching. Like the reason I brought up the Baptists and the Presbyterians are, unfortunately, they're not there. They don't even believe the Holy Spirit exists. Uh, they believe the Holy Spirit exists. Their gifts don't exist, they believe. So, meaning there's a foundational issue. Some of them believe there's no healing. You don't need to pray for healing. It is it's God's will for you to be sick. So, what is the problem? Foundational issue. You don't want to be aligned with that because you're building a, your house on a wrong foundation. And when the pressures of life hits, what happens to the house built on sand? Huh? It sinks or it falls and crumbles. So this do your build your house right. Number two says identify the big ticket items. So you know the big picture that you want to reach the full potential. Matt Koss wants to reach the full potential in Christ, the, uh, Christ Jesus. And so he's going to start with the big ticket items. Say, hey, what is the most important this year for me to build on? And so Matt might say, you know what? I want to really get grounded in the New Testament foundation. I'm going to unlearn all that old junk. I'm going to sit and prepare myself understand and listen to New Testament teachers 
and cast out that old wineskin. Very important. You can't mix this both either. You can, you can bring your 10-year-old Methodist teachings here and mix it up. This is brand new stuff. We are talking about the Spirit and the Spirit alone. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your history. I only know one thing, that you are Spirit, you are divine. And everything else is under the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Come on, someone shout glory. So once you identify the big ticket items, so Matt says, in the next three months, I want to build my foundation. I want to re- really read up on the New Covenant again, New Testament books again, or the epistles. Then break it down. Make a schedule on how you're going to get there. And, you know, like I said, get, when they say get estimating, really understand. You know, for everything else, we put a timeline in our work, in our school. What about our spiritual life? It cannot be loose. It cannot be unorganized. We just have to put schedule and organization in place on how we build our spiritual house, our spiritual life. Number five says create smart release in the software world. So every eight weeks, we will release something into the market. So how, does it, how did it happen historically? Every one year or two years, something big will come to the market. But now they realized if you do that, the company is going to go out of business. So Apple comes with an upgrade every so often now. You've got to upgrade your phone. Because if they don't do it, someone else will do it. You've got to be smart. Smart releases meaning. So in other words, in our spiritual life, how I translate this is keep go- build goals, but ensure that you start to deliver. I think Matt brought this up. We need to get out of our sandbox. There was a prophetic word during the Ecclesia uh, training uh, the Ecclesia conference that Christians are spending too, many, too much time in the sandbox playing. Time to get out of the sandbox and get into the real world, apply and do what God has told you to do. And generate your roadmap. You know, I have, I've done this exercise. What I've done is I look at my current age. And then I map out, the Bible says every person has what, 70 to 80 years. Your lifespan will go up to 70 or maybe 80. If you have a bonus, yeah, few people make it to 100 like Billy Graham. But just estimate you live up to 70 or up to 80, okay? Put your current age as of today and see how many years you have left. You got to start an audit like this. You just can't live a dream, illusory life thinking you're going to live here eternally on earth. You got a special, maybe some people have 10 years left. Some people have 20, some people have 30. I don't know. You can count your current age and to a 70 or 80. And then, that's good, Miss Mary. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is find out how many years you've, real good years you've left and find out what, how, what you're going to accomplish and how you're going to accomplish for the kingdom of God. You have to look at where you are today. And organize. You don't want to live a wasted life, you know. When you are gone from here, or when you are near your deathbed, you shouldn't say, I didn't do much. You have to, because we, each one of us, what did I say? We are divine expressions of God. We have great potential waiting to be released. Most of people don't do anything with their potential because they fear, they doubt, they don't know. All you got to do is step forward. You will be surprised how God will meet you there. 
Many people have buried their talents under the ground. No, no, no. You got to trade with it. You got to, if Matt's talent is in the worship area, he's, going to, he's got to trade with it. Meaning he's going to multiply. He's going to, not only at City Gate, he's going to go around and use that talent. If my talent is in another area, I'm going to find venues to go and release that talent or trade that talent, multiply it. Where, whatever you're good at, I'm sure everyone knows something that they're good at. You got to continue to build on it, leverage it. And then keep improving. Keep improving. You know, a lot of the denominations have come to a cap and they said, this is it. All right? So they said, we know it all. No. True Christianity is what? It's continually evolving. You're evolving. Never say, I know it all. Every day, God will show you more and more. If somebody, this is why, you know, some of the Bible schools are very dangerous, right? So the seminaries. Because they've already put their curriculum forward, and they will condition you into one way of thinking. You're not, God didn't call you to be a clone. No clones. You're unique, and you have unique talents, unique giftings, and you would have to somehow use that for the glory of God. And you got to be, you got to be decisive about it. You got to be, I would even use the word violent about it. You got to be aggressive. This year, be decisive and aggressive. Ask God for the energy, the wind to energize you so that you can go like a bulldozer and do what God wants you to do. Don't fear. Don't think about all these things. There's a saying in the book of Proverbs. The lazy man sits in his home and says, there's a lion in the street. And he just sits there. You can think about all the odds out there, you know. But with God on your side, you can do all things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So this new year, be decisive and be aggressive in the pursuit of your calling. And like I said, the first, first phase might be preparation. Just lay the foundation down. Don't give it a five-year timeline, say in five weeks or six weeks. I'm going to study it, but I'm going to listen. Only New Testament teaching. Like I said, we have podcasts available for free. We preach New Covenant teachings here. And I encourage you to go and listen. If you want a CD, see Matt or one of the people in the office, and we will be happy to get you there. Because our goal, as Apostle Clay said, is not to have you sit here and be a pew potato. We want you to be a kingdom shaker, a kingdom mover, shining for the glory of God. So number two, so the first word is build your house right. Number two is be agile. So in other words, I kind of hit it, focus on progress, not perfection. A lot of our, many years in the past, a lot of our, you know, a lot of the problems that is hindering us is perfectionism. I'm not talking about spiritual perfectionism, fleshly perfectionism. So in other words, okay, I set a goal to lose 50 pounds. Oh, I didn't lose it, so I'm just going to go eat all the fried chicken I can. Focus on progress. Okay, I lost two pounds, that's good. Just going to keep going with my goal. Focus on progress, not perfectionism. Like I said, this is 
building in increments. You're building your life in increments. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon race. And you don't need to compare yourself with someone else. I don't compare myself with Ira. I'm sure Ira don't compare myself, himself with me. He is in a different uh, path of the race than I am. We all are trying to be reaching the final destination called the fullness in Christ. But all of us are in different laps of that journey. It's okay who, where he is and where I am. But we need to focus on our life, our house, our building of our spiritual life so that we build it in increments. Have good goals, definite, specific goals that you want to accomplish. So everyone might have something else for this year. But keep something that you can achieve in small increments. Every two weeks, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to achieve this, I'm going to achieve that, achieve that. But the key is, so the word that we use in business for that second area is called minimum viable product. So it's not enough for us to create any product. It's got to be usable and valuable to the customer. If I'm just going to build something for the sake of it and it's not going to be used by anybody, who cares? You understand? It's got to be viable and usable. So whatever you're building, it's going to add value, not only to you, to others as well. So when you set goals, think from that perspective. Because, you know, even when I didn't know all this, and even when I, I was not that spiritual, I still used to go and witness to people. Meaning, with the, with the knowledge I had, I used to talk about Jesus. So you don't have to be a preacher to talk about Jesus. You can, you can be wherever you are and still add value to your mankind. But keep doing something. Keep improving. Keep adding value. And Dori was talking about the giving part or keeping your vows. Let me give you a, spirit, a prophetic uh, insight that God gave me. The Lord told me two things. This is a common verse, but I'll tell you the vision. I'll get to your vision uh, very soon. It says, give and it shall be given to you. The uh, Bible also says the person who withholds will soon be poor. But the person who is generous, he will prosper. Many times we are like, oh, she didn't give me anything, so I'm not going to give her that. No, 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 no. You have to practice the principle of giving. You watch what happens. Not that you expect anything, even if they don't give you a penny. Just give out. Give out what you can. It's a big principle that has worked 100% of the time. You, know, you might wonder, why is Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and Zuckerberg and all such, why are they billionaires? They're not even Christians. They have activated to this principle of what? Giving. You know how much percent of their wealth they're giving away and eventually will give away? They are in one of those, I forget the club name. One of the goals of Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, I think is over 95 or 90% of their wealth will be given away to the poor or to social causes, charitable causes. Do we have a mindset like that today? If you had $100 million sitting here, would you be able to stand up and say, I will give $90 million away. I'll only keep 10. I doubt many people will say that. Especially when you see that in your bank account, all that zeros. You're like, you know what? I got too many grandkids. By the time I do all that, I can give it. 
So a generous heart, a generous giver prospers also in a high rate. So give. And he also told me prophetically, he said, son, go out to the street, like where the streets and the roadsides, and give alms, ALMS, just give alms to the poor. And I asked God, why? He said, that's one of the ways you keep yourself protected from the arrows of the enemy. Giving also puts a great protective covering around you. It's a principle. So not only it'll prosper you, it'll also put a protective covering because you are out there actively helping mankind. Not so that you can be protected, but you have a heart that wants to give. Practice giving alms to the poor. This was in the New Testament, it was taught too. The Bible says apostles, and they, what did they do? They, were, they had a frequent habit of giving alms or helping the poor, seeking the poor. So the Lord reminded me, you got to do this. And I asked, Lord, why? I, he said, I don't, I don't want certain arrows coming against you. Just practice the principle, my son. I was like, okay. So progress and not perfection this year. Look at this verse, Philippians 3.13. Brothers, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it, but one thing I do. What is it? Forgetting the things of the past and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. It's okay, my friends, if you had a divorce or abortion or a murder. I don't know what it is. We all committed some mistakes. Forget the past. Divorce or murder or adultery doesn't make you or doesn't define you. Let me put it that way. You are what? You are a spirit. You are a divine being. All that mess in the past is not you. It was, it was your flesh. And the cross covered it. All right? But along with it, see, it's one thing to say, you know, we are definitely, we are spiritual beings. Sins are covered. But God expects something out of you. Number three, walking in the spirit. Yes, we are spiritual beings, but doesn't give us a license to do all things in the flesh, all nonsense in the flesh. I know Christian men or Christian women, they say they, they, they love God and all that, but they sleep with multiple people. You can't do that. In other words, you got to walk the spirit that you are. You can't do stuff contrary to your true nature. This is why Apostle James said, can both, James 3.11 says, can both fresh water and bitter water flow from the same spring? You say you're a Christian, you sit in the church, but you do all sorts of nonsense. You do adulterous lifestyle, you sleep with multiple men, you sleep with multiple women. You don't align with the word of God. That is a total contradictory to the word of God. So who are we? We are spirits. But God is calling us to walk in the spirit. Don't abuse the license you have right now. Make sure we conform to the word of God. But does the flesh define us? No. I'm not, even though I committed adultery maybe in the past, doesn't define me. Once I catch it, once I repent it, my goal is to walk in the word of God. Because the Bible says, many of us in our past lifestyles did many ignorant things. But what did God do? God chose to forgive it. He chose to forgive it. But now we who know the truth 
got to align ourselves with the word of God. We are, we are what? We are divine beings. It is not right for a divine being to go commit adultery. It is against the grain of who we are. If, now, if you don't follow this word, who is going to suffer and who is going to have the consequences? Us as individuals. What you, whatsoever you sow, the Galatians says, whatsoever you sow, you shall reap. If you sow to your flesh, you shall reap corruption. But if you sow to your spirit, you shall reap eternal life. In other words, the, one of the good things about walking in the, in the spirit, in divine order, in divine alignment, the, one of the good things is you continue to have the divine life, the satisfaction, the joy, the peace, the covering and the protection, the wind of God supporting your sail through the journey of life. That's why obedience is good. But know this, that you are what? A divine being. And you cannot act contrary to your divine nature. That's why you feel convicted when you do something wrong. Why? It's against the grain to cuss. We are what? We are righteous, holy people. When we say the F word and that word and this word, we suddenly get convicted. We are like, what are, I am actually acting inferior to my true nature. I'm a divine being. It is not right for me to act like some animal. So our goal continually has to be maintaining us at the higher nature, the mind of Christ in us. Because the lower nature, the flesh, continually pulls us too. It wants to cuss, it wants to sleep all day, wants to have sex all day, all sorts of fleshly pulling. But we have to, that's why the Bible says, renew your mind. We have to renew our mind and say, you know what, I'm a higher being. I ain't no inferior being giving myself to all the carnal lust and desires of my flesh. I'm a divine being. And I'm going to follow the order that God has prescribed in the scriptures. The Bible says, it's not good for a man to be alone, so I'm going to have a wife. I ain't going to go sleep with all the women out there. And so you continually introspect what the word of God says, and you realign your life according to that. You have to organize your life to remain in the higher consciousness. Because the peace, joy, and righteousness that God has promised can only, go, only come if you can maintain this higher consciousness. But what did I say this morning? I saw the vision. Actually, God told me, you are like a blazing fire. And so I, I, I was telling every one of you who are born again are like a blazing fire. And that's your true nature. Re remain in that higher consciousness of who you are. Don't get pulled back into this gravity of flesh. It's a, it's a lot of work to remain in the higher consciousness. It takes a lot of organizing your life. You can't live a half-assed life and expect to remain in divine higher consciousness. That's what Jesus said, pray at all times. Your flesh is weak, even though your spirit is willing. There's a lot of labor involved around your spiritual life. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes I have to turn the TV off immediately 
when a certain ad or certain trailer comes. Because I know the minute I entertain it, I'm going to fall off my orbit of higher consciousness. Boom. So you have to check what can pull you down. Some people, it might be alcohol. Some people, it might be women. Some people, it might be men. I don't know. As Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not lust after a, a woman. In other words, everyone has got to make their adjustments. In, in the agile world, there is a term called inspect and adapt. So you don't just say, this is how my life is going to be. What did I tell you earlier? It's a continual inspect and adapt. You'd make incremental changes in your life. Incremental changes. Every day is going to be some learning coming in your life. Every day. Because I woke up one day and said, this day is going to be a perfect day. I'm going to do everything perfectly. Two minutes later, boom, I was gone. Meaning I couldn't do it. So what I'm trying to say is, I've, I figured out, you know what? Okay, that is a trigger point or that is a weak point. You're continually learning what is pulling you down. Take learnings. Take learnings. And try to next time stay away from that zone. All right? Spiritual power in general can only be generated from a person who is operating in higher consciousness. When I say spiritual power, science, wonders, preaching in power, doing the work of God can only be done with a person who knows who he is and who God is and who's operating in that clear connection with God. That's why you see tons of preachers out there. It's one thing to preach something, but it's another thing to release power. So just word alone, the Bible says, letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I've seen hundreds of thousands of preachers, zero anointing or power. It doesn't do, it'll put you to sleep, pretty much. You can sit here and that's, that's what it'll do. They'll be teaching the word, they'll be reading the Bible, but the letter kills, meaning just a word not mixed with the Spirit, is dead. But the Spirit gives life. So this spiritual power can only be generated from a person who is operating in what? Higher consciousness. He or she has taken work or taken steps to maintain a level of consciousness of who they are. They know their divine identity. They are not sin conscious. They know they are covered by the blood. They stand in the excellency of God and minister to the people. So there is a maintenance involved, and there is a work involved in getting there. Number four, and I'll end here. The fourth exercise for this new year is strategic prayer and fasting. Strategic prayer and fasting. My friends, listen. We all, you know, I, I hope all of us sitting here are saved. We are born-again Christians but doesn't get us a ticket to a trouble-free life here. All right? Somebody asked, well, asked me, all right, say Deb is, she's a born-again Christian. She drank a glass of alcohol, like, yesterday, and she died today. What will happen to her? <laughs> she said, will she go to heaven or will she go to hell? That's a question. You know, there's been, I don't know, you might have heard this too. 
She's a true, saved, born-again Christian. She did leave alcohol. She committed some sin. And she didn't get a chance to repent, whatever. Will she go to heaven or hell? And most of the traditional churches will say, she'll go to hell. That's not the case. The minute you are born again, baptized, your spirit is sealed. You're going. Now, all of us sitting here, even after we are born again, we've made what? Tons of mistakes. We tons of mistakes. So it's not your flesh work that decides your eternal destiny now. If you're truly saved by God, you're going where? To eternal life. Okay? Leave that. So let's put that away. So what I'm trying to say is, this earth realm will give you troubles. Just because you're saved, there is no free open ticket to a trouble-free life. All right? That's what I'm trying to convey here. What, but what can get you to overcome and reign and rule is this strategy right here. Number four, strategic prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. This would get you ahead of the enemy. The Bible says, Elijah outran the chariots of the enemy. Elijah outran it. So in other words, Ahab and his army were going, and Elijah overtook them with his, with his legs. He overtook horses. In other words, strategic prayer and fasting will get you ahead of the game called life. When I say strategic prayer and fasting, it doesn't have to be too tough. Because again, we made fasting also too tough, where people are like, no way, Jose. Because it's like uh, 40 days, 20 You don't need to do that if you don't have the threshold. A simple thing called like a Daniel fast will get you, will get you into a perpetual breakthrough mode. If you know how to use a Daniel fast, you can go breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough and get to where you need to get to. Now, is Daniel fast easy? It's easier than no food fast. <laughs> yeah, yes, you might have to skip your bacon and sausage in the morning. <laughs> but would you rather eat bacon and remain in your zone, or would you have a breakthrough coming up? Breakthrough. Amen, Miss Mary. <laughs> Strategic prayer and fasting. So I remember when Apostle Dutch said about, guys, your life can change in 30 days, he said. He prophetically said that. And I remember in 2018, last year, God put me on a fast uh, in the month of January, in the beginning. 21 days, Daniel fast. No, nothing. No meat, nothing. And I, the amount of breakthroughs I had, I was like, my goodness. So all I, I, I realized one thing. I was standing in the way of God. From giving, God wanted to release a lot of things. The, but the minute I did some, something small like a Daniel fast, because I wasn't even skipping food. I skipped food here and there. I would skip a meal along with the Daniel fast. Sometimes I skip a breakfast or a lunch, but I would just do vegetarian. And the amount of breakthroughs, I was like, my goodness. So I realized this got to be a lifestyle. So recently, this year, the Lord told me, um, go again on a Daniel fast. But I was like, Lord, you know, uh, oh, wonderful. Deb is doing it as a team. So now I'm, I'm trying to make it easy for some of you. Some of you might say, this is not easy. Okay, vegetarian, I need meat at least one meal, right? Here's something that I got a revelation this year. Another one. This is for easy, for, to make it easy for you so that you don't still miss out on your breakthrough. Do a Daniel fast during the day. Nighttime, dinner time, you can eat some meat. That's okay. But during the day, 
for 21 days or however you want to do it. Breakfast, lunch, just do vegetarian, please, if you can. You see what's going to happen. <laughs> Sunrise to sunset. Just go on a Daniel fast for 21 or 30 days. It doesn't matter. Dinner, if you are so uh, loving meat, have dinner time, no problem. But just try this during the day. And combine it with what? With prayer. So I remember um, I'm doing this Daniel fast, and I'm getting in my car from work, and Dad, God says, take your Bible. So I turn my phone on, and he'll show me exact psalm. So strategic prayer is about knowing what to pray, not just a random prayer. Usually what I would do is, Lord, I would say, Lord, show me the psalm that I need to pray out. So he'll show me Psalm 34, Psalm 23, Psalm 102. I don't know. He'll show me for the exact moment. And I remember one day I was going through some barrage of attacks in the spirit realm. And he asked me, to, I think it was Psalm 34, he said, and I started reading, Plead my cause, O God, with those who strive with me. Take hold of thy shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Draw out also thy spear and persecute my enemies, O God. It is strategic because I was going through that. And then I read a psalm that activates that. You understand? And sometimes, some days, I'm so thankful to God. And then the Lord took me to Psalm 23 during the Daniel fast. And I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. So this is strategic. Depending on where you are, what kind of mood and what kind of stage you are going through that day, God will take you through a strategic psalm. I'll tell you, psalm is one of the best things to take for prayer. Open your Bible and ask God, just, you know, you, you, if you don't exactly buy a chapter that you need to read, you can just scroll through the pages and God will show you. This is the psalm you need to read. When you read through a few lines, you'll understand this is the season I'm going through. And read it out as if it's yours. And I say sometimes there's a dry spell in your life. You're like, I don't know where it's going. And you can read one of the psalms. It says, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee, O God. So when you do this strategic fasting, what fasting does is it, it opens a sacrifice, sacrificial altar in the trading floors of God. So when God looks at Deb or Lourdes or Ira, when they are Daniel fasting, he sees an altar with sacrifice. What is he sacrificing? His own desires. He could have eaten bacon that morning, but he said, nope. I would rather align myself with a higher consciousness. I would rather be in that rather than a piece of bacon. So he made a choice to do a, bring a sacrifice to God that morning. Sacrifice what? His own self. His own desires. That's what Apostle Paul says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Apostle Paul is taking it at a different level. He's saying live a sacrificial lifestyle. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So this is a life. Some people are at Apostle Paul's level, their lifestyle itself is sacrificial. They don't live for pleasure. They live for purpose. They, if he, whatever you present in front of him as a food, he'll eat it with thanksgiving. But he's not living thinking, what will I eat after church on Sunday? He's not. So he's gone to another level. So deny your flesh to remain in higher consciousness. Why? The higher consciousness, so the more you're aligned with God, the more breakthrough you attract. This is why Jesus was so key about kingdom coming upon mankind. 
Because the divine catalyst for attracting prosperity, wealth, health is you in synchronized or in alignment with God. If you are not feeling it, you're not a magnet to attracting the blessings of God. You got to be in sync with God, His Spirit. And the way to do it is through strategic prayer and fasting. Anytime you don't feel God, come on, man, let's, I'm going to close it. Anytime you don't feel God, get on your knees. Get fall flat on your face and say, God, I long for you. Strategic. When you are feeling good in the house, wife and kids are happy, paychecks coming, thank God. Strategic. Take a psalm and say, it is good to give thanks unto the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's not enough for you to just exercise that in your mind. You need to speak it out. You need to bless the Lord with your mouth. Open your mouth and say, blessed be the name of God. Thank you, Jesus. And fasting, I want to talk to you about those. Matthew 17, 21 says, certain kind of strongholds will not break without fasting doesn't work. Some of the especially repetitive cycles that have hindered us, plagued us, can only be broken through fasting. Like I said, it doesn't have to be too long. God will speak to you. Do a Daniel fast if you cannot go on a full fast and see things change. Don't give up your hope on God. I'm telling you, many people have looked at the odds and said, there's no way on earth God can help me. That is not true. If he can bring a dead person to life, he can change your situations around. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, let's rise up. Thank you, Lord. Come on, pray into the Spirit for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Come on. In this new year, we don't want it to be another year. We want it to move forth in power, in purpose. We're going to build our house right. We're going to build it fast and we're going to have God hover over our buildings. We're going to have God blow His wind over our homes, over our buildings. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, everyone, ask God for a fresh anointing this morning, for a fresh outpouring. So that you can carry through with your new year plan. This is a fresh year, my friends. As Apostle Paul said, forget what's in the past. And I press on towards what's ahead. You are a divine being. You are holy. You are righteous. You are precious in the sight of God. You got to pray. This is a brand new day. Yesterday is gone. Brand new day, my friends. All that you went through. All the hardships, regrets has prepared you to be a mighty man or woman of God. Because you are a blazing fire. You ain't, you ain't your flesh. You ain't your weakness. You're a blazing fire. A torch for God. A firebrand for God. Jesus. Come on, Lord. Psalms 25, 
verse 14 says, The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he will make them know his covenant. This is a secret of the Lord that has been shared with us today. Strategy. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we seal this word. Come on, lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your hands. Come on. Come on, lift up your hands, because when we lift up our hands, that says, that says we receive it. We receive it. Lord, seal it, seal it in our hearts. Lord, we say, seal this word in our hearts. And now, Lord, let your overflowing grace fall on us like a waterfall. Can you feel it? Come on. Lord, we worship you. You are a good father that give good gifts. And this, Lord, has been a gift. And this is going to be the gift that gives, that keeps on giving this year. His word does not return void. Lord, we seal this thing right now. We seal it. We seal it, Lord. We say yes and amen to it. And we come together in the power of agreement and we say, it shall come to pass. What you have purposed this year, 29 things shall come to pass for each and every one of us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we agree. Come on, say, to whoever is by your side, say, I agree with you. I agree with you. In Jesus' name.